Hi, everyone. Welcome to What's Your Why, a podcast that showcases the greatness of people through their life stories. Each episode will capture insight into the lives of people just like you and I, with the intention to connect, align, and create inspiration for and with our listeners. Stay with us through our What's and Why segment, where we dive into our guest perspective with some thought-provoking questions that just might be right up your alley. I'm your host, Helen Dillon, and thanks for joining us. Now let's get into it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We're here with Ashley Duda of Hunter Hill Farm, who has an amazing story that we can't wait to share with you. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. You're most welcome. I would love if you could just start us off by introducing yourself to everybody and sharing a little bit of your background and how you uh, got to where you are and what you're doing. Yes. Well, horses have been a huge part of my life uh, for many years. I'm almost 40. The first time I actually <laughs> saw a horse, uh, <laughs> love it. <laughs> I'm proud. I'm still here and I'm still alive and my body's tried to kill me a few times. So I'm like really excited that I'm oh, for goodness almost sake. 40. So anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yes. But I saw horses at the Rolex three-day event uh, when I was two years old and I started asking to ride right after that. And so when I was three, I, I started riding lessons in uh, right outside Knoxville, Tennessee. And it wasn't until I was 25 that I actually asked my mom, because I have these memories of horses galloping through our backyard in Tennessee, jumping jumps. She said, oh my heavens, I took you to the Rolex when you were two. And I can't <laughs> believe that you remember that. So Literally, my earliest memories were horses jumping over jumps. And uh, that's I'm, amazing. I just think it's kind of special because I feel like I was supposed to be yeah. <laughs> do horses for my life. And it's neat at such a young age, that's what stuck with me. And I, until I was 25, I always had these memories and I, I really didn't know where they came from. But my mom said, Oh, yeah, you went to the Rolex and that's where you saw these horses jumping jumps. That's really cool. So yeah, so then we were lucky enough to move to Windsor, Ontario, and I rode for a few years there, met Heather. Heather taught my sister. Yes, the connection. Yeah, so that's the connection there. Then we moved to Virginia, and I just loved horses. I was, I was a working student there. My family never really had a huge budget, so I always was riding whatever I, I was given. I just absolutely loved it. But my parents always said, well, Ashley, you can't do that because uh, when I was four, I was diagnosed with diabetes. And so they're always very concerned with my ability to have health insurance. For sure. Yeah. And so they said, no, you need to get a normal, stable, real job. And, and so I went off to college and <laughs> I uh, majored in biology. And, but really what I majored in was riding and the riding team there. I was very involved in the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association at Virginia Tech. My coach, uh, Teresa McDonald, just helped me learn a lot there in terms of coaching, running a team. Um, I helped her put on horse shows. And while I learned a lot in biology, what I learned most is after after doing two years of undergraduate research, I, I never really wanted to see another micro pipette in my life. <laughs> I graduated and kind of went, oh my heavens, what am I going to do with my life? And and my initial plan was, well, I'll give it the summer and then maybe I'll go teach biology. Well, okay. I was a month into the summer and my college coach called me and said, I have the perfect job for you. <gasps> it's in Kansas. It's coaching. Uh, it was actually a 
an NCAA team, and so at the uh, NC National Collegiate Equestrian Association team at the time. And I kind of went through the whole interview process, just like, oh, it's great experience. Like I've never actually gained this job, but I love the interview process. I had so much fun. And then I was offered the job. Can I ask, what did your family think of that? Maybe that's not a fair question, but were they encouraging at that point? Absolutely. And the thing was, this was actually a job opportunity that would also come with benefit. So they knew that I would, I would have a steady paycheck and then I also would have health insurance. And so they were completely on board. And even though it was moving halfway across the country, they were all gung-ho about it. I had a boyfriend at the time who was not so gung-ho about it. So Got it. he initially convinced me that I should not take the job. So I turned the job down and thank heavens, Teresa Douthat, another wonderful Teresa in my life, said, uh, Ashley, think about it for three days and then call me back. And I just couldn't think about my life if I turned this job down, I felt like I could never ride again because I felt like this was the perfect job for me. And yeah. I was just so excited. So I did call her back and I, I accepted the job. So that's how I got started. So thanks to Teresa McDonald getting me into, <laughs> into coaching at the collegiate level. And then Teresa Douthat for giving me that second opportunity to say yes to the job. Yeah. And so, and that was back in 2005. And I coached at Kansas State for four years, and then Teresa McDonald again called and said, hey, Peggy McElveen is, is looking for someone I think you would be great coaching at St. Andrews, and that's back in North Carolina. I'd be close to my family, and so I ended up taking that job, loved my time in Kansas, but worked at St. Andrews, and then met my husband, moved back to Kansas, was heartbroken over leaving the college job, uh, and just... My story is getting a little bit longer, but I hope that's okay. <laughs> yeah, totally okay. So my job, when I initially came to work, I was working for someone who really was interested in, in breeding chickens more than taking care of her horses. And that's not necessarily an important part of the story, but it led to my husband and I purchasing a farm just north of Manhattan, Kansas, because he was gung-ho about owning land and didn't really want to move at the time. And I said, okay, let's try this. Everyone's always told me that a farm is, you're, you're working all the time and it costs so much money, but he was so positive about it. And I just, we still own the farm and it's a beautiful farm. Awesome. I tried to do that for five years and I had a huge lesson program. Mm -hmm. I'd see about 65 people every single week. And I had, some of them came to me with their, their own horses, but then I had about nine school horses and a few of my own courses that I also taught people on. So I had a booming lesson program, but the problem was in my business plan, I didn't have a covered or fully enclosed ring. And so what's the weather like in Kansas? Like do, how does that tornado season, hurricane tornadoes, right? <laughs> right. So in the summer, it can be very hot. In the winter, it can be very cold. It fluctuates, I would say, more than it does in Toronto in terms of it'll get above freezing and it doesn't snow as much. You know, you might get one big snow, but then otherwise we're getting like four inches or, uh, you know, a little bit of snow here or there, then it melts. But we'll have times where it's down to negative 15 and oh my goodness, which I'm bad at Celsius. So I, you know, oh, it's okay. Yeah, no, we got that. It's like, I'm I don't know, three inches and <laughs> degrees. Fair enough. This is not yeah, good. we got you. Anyway, cold, cold, cold. cold. <laughs> you are. It's Canadians cold. are amazing. Have, my best friend is Canadian and lives in London, and she's always knows everything I'm talking about. I'm like, Katie, you're amazing. Why? <laughs> I gotta tell you why. 
our generation had to learn. We didn't switch. Like we switched right before our generation. So like in school, we're not, we're taught centimeters and meters, but we really know like feet and inches because <laughs> that's how the world works, right? Miles, kilometers, all that stuff. Anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt. So did you just, with your lesson plan, did you close for a portion of the year? How did that work? No, I would try to teach all year long because I had these nine school horses that were doing nothing other than bringing revenue. So I would try to teach all year long. But in my worst years, I would only teach for six months because we couldn't ride because it was too wet or there were tornado warnings or it was the ground was frozen or what it was too hot. There, there were just so many weather factors. It was very much a losing business plan. And I remember one time my husband came home and I'm like, all stressed out because it's raining out. And he, he's like, why are you stressed out? You cannot control the weather. I'm like, I know, but it just is costing me $500 because I had to cancel all the lessons I was supposed to teach today. I was like, wow. Right. And to put it into perspective for everybody that maybe doesn't know very much about the lesson program world, you can have all your ducks in a row. This is my opinion. All your T's crossed and your I's dotted. You can have every single plan go perfectly. And it's still a very difficult and daunting industry to try and make money in, to try and even launch and have succeed. So for you to have a booming program that was successful, even though only six months a year, I mean, that's a feat in and of itself. That's a task, definitely, let alone the weather. <laughs> right, the weather, everything we're facing. But it was it was a neat lesson program. I got to meet and, and teach lots of awesome people. But in the end, it was just a losing battle money-wise. I remember telling my husband, I was uh, just having many mental struggles because I was so worried and just kind of a basket case. I was like, Mike, I have to go. I have to make a change. I have to do something. And I really wanted him to come make this change with me, but he loved the farm. He loved his job so much. And he was so happy here that he, he basically was like, okay, well you can go off and, and then we'll, we'll figure out how to make this work. I felt this was the other thing. This was my other problem with being here is that I, I absolutely loved learning. And I felt I wasn't really able to develop as a horseman very much here. I was able to watch lessons, but my closest person I could haul for a lesson was about two hours away, which is just hard when you're trying to make as much money to make the lesson program work and pay all your bills. And I, I wasn't able to attend clinics. I'd always been interested in, in getting my judge's card. And that was so hard to do here because every horse show I need to go sit at was plane ride away. And then I, I wasn't at home teaching lessons. So I just had this urge to become a better horse person. And so between the mental health and then wanting to be a better horse person, I knew that my old job at St. Andrews was, was available again. And they would have me back. My boss, Peggy McElvey, knew that I, I might only be there for one year because that was my plan to go ahead and get started on my judge's card, get a lot of things knocked off my list, learn as much as I could while I was there. And then come home and, and keep running with it. Unfortunately, but fortunately, I'm actually very thankful for it. I was there for six months and uh, I got diagnosed with uh, B-cell lymphoma. And hold up, hold, come on. Congratulations on being 40. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm really excited. I mean, yeah. <laughs> God, you just broke my heart. It just like stabbed me in the heart. I felt that. I just felt it. But I'm so happy that I'm looking at you and I'm meeting you right now. Well, thank you. It just, I will never forget the moment because it ended up, they first thought I had asthma and then I ended up in the ER because I really couldn't breathe and I was in so much pain. I was like, well, this is, this is not good. So I was in the ER and they told me that they weren't quite sure what it was, but I definitely had an 11 centimeter tumor in my chest. 
And that moment of going, oh my heavens, like, do they have to rip my chest open to like grab it out or do I just die? Like I <laughs> didn't think. Does it like put pressure on your lungs so that you can't yes. expand properly? Exactly. Okay. So I had a partially collapsed lung and my whole body was just really irritated from this fast growing tumor. So, but it, it was amazing because I was like, oh my gosh, this is not good. And then to realize that actually it was a type of cancer that I just have to go through chemo. So I did six months of intense chemo. I'd be in the hospital doing chemo for a week and a half and then I'd be off for two and a half weeks and I'd be back in the hospital and they shrunk the whole thing. It was amazing. And it's, it's a cancer that has a 90% cure rate. So I just okay. am so thankful for the lessons that it taught me and that I got that cancer and mm -hmm. so thankful for the horses because the horses saved me and the students at St. Andrews saved me during that time because I got to keep working and, and just carrying on during that whole time. Like it was normal. And I think if I hadn't had that, I would have maybe had the tendency to, you don't feel great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I wanted to keep my jumper going and I wanted my students to do well at the competitions that they were really wanting to go to. So it just was, I know this sounds weird, but it was an awesome experience all the way around what I, what I got out of that. And I don't look at life the same way at all. And that was going to be my question. I think that's an amazing positive uh, viewpoint that you have on things. So yeah, did it change your viewpoint on life at all? Absolutely. And I think one of the big things are just birthdays. Like I used to stress about getting older and, oh my goodness, oh, I'm a year older. And now I just, I think it is so cool when someone tells me that they're like 76 and, oh gosh, I'm old. Or, or someone complains about, you know, being my wonderful sister-in-law last night. I was like, I'm going to be 47. And I was like, yeah, that's the best. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're still here because in, in the end, like we don't know how much time we have here. And just being able to enjoy every moment, I think is so, so important. And I did not feel that same way before I went through, through all that. Does it change actually how you like get up every day? Because like, you know, you see all this stuff in the news and the memes and the this and the that and the stay positive and all the mental health stuff. And it's like, you know, wake up every day and be grateful. And it's easy to say it, but I don't know that it's in human nature to actually do that. I think that humans are maybe more fight and flight sometimes and look at the negative in life because that's what they need to do for survival, right? But when you go through something like this, does it actually change? Do you wake up in the morning every day and go, oh, that's my first thought is I'm thankful to be alive? My first thought, because I don't wake up very well, is like, oh my goodness, I'm so exhausted. But as soon as I get past the <laughs> right. like, oh, I'm exhausted and like I start waking up a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I got to work with horses before, but now I just think I'm so lucky to get to work with horses. And I can definitely say for me, it has changed how I look at absolutely everything. And that's why I'm so grateful for the whole experience. And you went through that as a, as a diabetic. I did. Yes. <laughs> My God. Wow. <laughs> it was fabulous because they kept telling me like, oh no, you know, this is going to be hard. And the prednisone is really going to raise your blood sugar and, and give you some insulin resistance. But I have an insulin pump, which is awesome. And then I have a sensor that tells me all the time what my blood sugar is. So I just, I just walked laps around the hospital ward and, and gave lots of insulin. And so my diabetes was great through all of it. And Oh, good. I don't know. It changed my outlook on life. And, and I just look back at that time in my life and smile because I learned a lot from it. For sure. For sure. So you were six months at St. Andrews and then of course this happened, right? Yes. Yes. And then how long did you stay 
another six months or? Oh, I did. I actually stayed another four years. So, oh, perfect. So, right. Because, six months, four years. Because I thought life is really short. And when I really look back at it, like my mental health when I lived here in Kansas and was so worried about the bills, my mental health was so much worse. And that's the other thing I think. I think mental health is just so important because being in Kansas worrying about the money was worse than going through chemo because my mental health when I was going through chemo, I was excited about the college students I was coaching. I was, I'd started getting help from Mike Rosser again. So I had an awesome oh, I love Mike Rosser. I love Mike Rosser. Love if you talk to him, please tell him I say hello. He is one of my favorites. He's one <laughs> of my favorites. He's listed as the person I look up to when I was going over the answers for my questions. Cause I just want to, I just want to be like Mike. <laughs> yeah. He's such a gentleman. Yeah, so things were going really well. My mental health was a whole lot better. I had a lot of hope. That got me through the chemo. So I just I decided that I wasn't going to move back to Kansas until I didn't have to. I had something set up so I wouldn't have to financially worry about whether it was raining or not or or whether, you know, someone needed to leave my farm for whatever reason because it just it took a, such a toll on me. So then I spent four more years at St. Andrews. I do nine months in North Carolina at St. Andrews during the school year. And then I do three months in Kansas over the summer. So I was doing a little back and forth. And then also over Christmas, we'd have Christmas break. And so I'd, I'd come back over Christmas break. And then my husband and I would switch off weekends seeing each other. Or every month we'd see each other. Yeah. You just make it work. Yeah. Like what a good lesson, right? You just make it work. Yep. And we really did. And we enjoyed the time that that we had together and I think we both knew at some point we'd live together again. We just weren't quite sure what that would look like. And kind of in the process, I did, I got my uh, little R and then just, I, I finished my work to get my big R. And just this summer, I got my big R. So it was exciting that I was able to check those two goals off my list. Hunter and jumper, just jumper, just hunter? Yes, hunter and equitation. So Hunter equitation. So for anyone that needs a translation on that in Canada, it's called a senior status. So that would be the capital S that you see equates to the large R in the U.S. Oh, God. Neat. Neat, neat, neat. Right. Again, one of those crossover things that why can't it just be the same? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. So, and I just felt like I had learned a lot. I was able to. I didn't have a TV when I was in North Carolina because I wanted to read a lot of books. I began teaching history and theory of uh, modern writing and I don't know, learned, learned a whole bunch. And uh, I felt that. I was better equipped to come back and run this farm and and maybe I'll get an investment horse. And because we we've now have this booming boarding business. So the boarding business is actually now making this much money a month, right? Like, well, that's great. <laughs> but right. I'm like, oh, any money. <laughs> yeah. So, and my thought was I would I would come back and substitute teach um, up at the high school that's two miles away, whereas like and, and also work on building my judging career. Which when I lived here before, that wasn't an option because I hadn't even started any of the judging stuff. But now yeah. it like opened the door to, oh, I can, yeah, I don't mind teaching a little bit, substitute teaching, because it's going to open the doors to, you know, allow me to make steps towards these other big goals. And so I was pretty sure I was coming back in January. And then in February, I got a call uh, from a friend, Chris Chain, who I work for now. He said, you know, are you, I think I need some help. Are you planning to move home anytime soon? And it just is kind of magical how the world works. Because I, yeah. 
the universe, it makes things happen for us. It, it really does. I was yeah. like, I'm planning on coming home in May. <laughs> so Chris has a farm, uh, Karen Farm, which is two hours and 20 minutes away from my farm. And so basically, and he does a ton of judging. And so the plan is I, I am at his farm uh, two days a week when we're not horse showing and I'll teach uh, his, his clients and then ride the horses that I need to ride. And then when he's horse showing, I go travel with them, horse show with them. And I'm having the time of my life now and getting to live with my husband again, most of the time, I mean, more than I yeah, used yeah. before. <laughs> so, right. Good thing uh, is you guys still like each other, clearly. Right. We, <laughs> we do still like each other. So that's a good thing. Right. And he's on nine month contract. So he has a little bit more flexibility to kind of come with me and wherever we're going in the summer, which is, which is awesome. But yeah, so that's, that's how I got back here. <laughs> so isn't it funny how, I don't know. I think that we're kind of taught, I could be wrong, but I always feel like people are taught when they're younger that life is so structured, you know, that you're supposed to, at least from, my, you know, my parents are in their seventies now, but it's like, you're supposed to graduate from high school and then you're supposed to go to college and you're supposed to get a job. And then maybe you have a relationship. You maybe have babies, blah, 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 blah. And it's funny, the more I see the world and meet different people in the world, it's just not like that. And it's, and it's okay. And, and then we're always seeking somebody to tell us it's okay, yes. you know, because we're taught something different, you know, so maybe your life has been a little unconventional, but it's okay. And it's amazing. And you're happy and you have great mental health. So I don't know what these old people are talking about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's fun that life can be an adventure. And I always find myself like when someone's a senior in college asking them, well, what are you, what are your plans? What are you going to do? But then I always have started following up that question with, but you don't really have to know what you're going to do because I'm, I'm much older than you. And I still don't know what I want to do. Like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm up for wherever, wherever the wind blows me and what adventure can come next. And it's, it's neat. to. That speaks to me a little bit. I'm in transition right now. I'm in flux. I like to say, you know, I come from a family that this is the way it is. This is the way you're taught. This is what you're supposed to be. So I'm at 44 trying to learn and thank goodness for Heather that it's just okay to, you know, you don't have to know. You just don't have to know all the answers and you can make decisions without knowing all the answers too. Absolutely. That is the magical thing about life. There is something magical and that's it. Definitely. Ashley, your story is uber, uber cool. I can't believe that you drive do you stay when you go to work on those days that you work or do you do a five hour round trip? Nope. I actually stay over. So there's, I sleep in a room at the, at the house there on the farm. And so it's wonderful that, that, that there's a place for me to stay. And yeah, that's awesome. That makes it a whole lot easier. And congratulations on the big R. That's, um, that's a, quite an accomplishment as well to try and put in the time and effort to get there and get that. And I'm sure you'll have no problem getting your name out there to get all the jobs, all the jobs. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I just, I absolutely love watching horses go around the ring and it just is, is such an enjoyable job for me. So I'm excited to. How long have you had your card for? So I got my card in 2020. So I haven't done a lot. Right. Exactly. It's, it, it seems like they're, I got approved to be in the mentor program and then I got cancer and then I got my small R and then the pandemic happened. And so it's been a little bit of a, I'm hoping nothing happens now that I have my big R. I can just enjoy judging a little bit at some small horse shows and like slowly uh, building that resume. That's my goal. Definitely. 
you're just such a joy. I mean, I hate to say, I don't know if people share that with you. You're a joy. Absolutely. It's great to see you and meet you and get to know you. Hopefully your story's amazing. The world needs more people like you. I love life and I love trying to help other people. And thank you. Such you're welcome. And now we've come to what some would call the very best part of the show, our segment appropriately named What's and Why's. It's where we get to ask our guests some questions that inquiring minds want to know. So without further ado, I bring you the What's and Why's for your listening pleasure. Who do you look up to and why? So I actually look up to two people. Uh, the first person is Teresa McDonald, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but she was my college coach. And she is the person who just was such a great mentor to me during my college college years. And then when I was coaching first, really 10 years, 11 years of, of me coaching, she was always someone I could call. And she, I've never met anyone who has better advice than she. She always had a great, great saying. I remember her saying once when when I was worried, I was worried about leaving one coaching job and taking another and, and leaving the horses. I, I think well, one thing that she told me, which I, uh, lots of people say this, but she goes, well, you have to put on, you know, when you're, you're flying and, and if you lose, <laughs> lose oxygen, you've got to put on your oxygen mask first, and then you can help others. If you don't have your oxygen mask, then you're not going to be any good to other people. So take care of yourself. But then the other thing she said about the horses was they're like trains. There's always another one coming. And so that's, yeah, <laughs> she had all these good phrases and really helped me a lot, lot through life. And I just, I wish I could, could call her. <laughs> There's a big void now that I can no longer call her and ask her opinion on, on things. And then the second person I really look up to is Mike Rosser. Uh, he was my mentor as I was going through, and I guess he's still my mentor, but officially was my mentor when I was going through the licensing process for my judge's card. And he also, he has a farm in Southern Pines, which was uh, just about 45 minutes away from where I worked. So I would go over and, and hack horses for him a little bit. And he'd help me with my horse. And every, when he was home every once in a while, he would he would help me with his horses as well. I learned so much from him. But then the other thing is just seeing him at horse shows. He is always so nice to everyone, so kind to everyone. He really enjoys his job. He really tries to do the best job he can judging. And then behind the scenes, he's a great horse person. Just seeing how he takes care of his horses and how he teaches his his clients. I'm always thinking, I want to be like Mike because he does it does it the right way. You're absolutely right. I know Mike and he is kind and well-respected and deserving of all of that feedback that you just spoke about him. So what's something that brings you joy and why? Learning is one thing that brings me a lot of joy. I've been in the horses and have never for a day gotten bored of teaching a lesson or riding a horse because there's always more to learn. And so just that, that ability to keep learning, keep becoming a better horse person brings me a lot of joy. Also uh, helping people and that in the horse world, uh, helping someone, whether it's figure out how their foot should be in the stirrup or whether it's uh, thinking about how they can use a rein aid a certain way to, to help their horse bend a little bit more, turn a little bit faster, whatever it might be. But seeing those pieces connect uh, and then seeing them, them ride their horse, have a better connection with their horse is just very, very special. And then just trying to help people out in the world to smile every once in a while. It's, it's, I like 
trying to make people people's days just a little bit brighter because life is life is hard. And so anything I can do to kind of help people out is is something that that brings me joy. I need to do more. That's for sure. But well, if you can be somebody's light in the day, that's how I go through it. Just be somebody's light in the day. When you look back through your life, what decision brings you the most happiness and why? I would say, and I touched on this just a little bit earlier, but saying yes to the first uh, coaching job that I was offered because it has allowed me to stay in horses and being a diabetic, it's allowed me to have health insurance for a good majority of the time I've been in horses. Now, I guess, think of, you know, I'm that my husband helps with health insurance now. So I guess I'm, <laughs> right. I'm kind of, yeah, just uh, things are a little bit different now. But just saying yes to that, that initial coaching job has led to such a neat life with so many adventures. And so I look back on that moment and it gives me so much joy. Am I correct in saying that your husband is not the gentleman that you were with when you said yes? That is absolutely correct. Yes. And in fact, my husband just supports me in every, I mean, he thinks it's very cool that I ride horses and have made this my career. And he hands down has supported me in every learning opportunity venture I have, have taken. He is right there behind me. And I just appreciate that so, so very much. That's awesome. What is something that you feel people get wrong about you and why? I think, and I don't really know, but I, <laughs> I think that, that maybe, I mean, I haven't done a lot in the horse world. I haven't won a lot. I'm so excited that I'm old and I'm finally getting to show some very nice horses. Like it's neat to be in that walk of life right now. But I do, I study a lot and I, I don't think people know that I've taught so much on the history and theory of modern riding. And I could definitely, all the way from Xenophon, all the way up to Jane Marshall, Dylan, tell you kind of the history of, of the forward system. And I love being able to put all that theory behind what I teach. Yeah. I don't think people know that I have the history background that I, I guess that's what I'm getting at. A big background in, in history and the riding. And I live 30 minutes away from Fort Riley, which is where all equitation really started in the United States, which also I think is a fun fact. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's where Chamberlain was and Gordon Wright. Gordon Wright was the, another fun fact, was the oldest person to enlist in the cavalry because he wanted to go learn at Fort Riley. So that's that's where it all, all started. Uh, Jimmy Wofford grew up at Fort Riley. So just so much history and it's a few minutes down the road. So that's really cool. If you had to give us your two cents, who would you like to hear on what's your why as a guest and why? Well, I think I would say that I would like to hear uh, Kathy Kushner as a guest on the show because she broke so many barriers for women. She was uh, the first jockey to be allowed to, to ride in a sanctioned racing event. I believe she was the first of two female athletes to ride in the Olympics. And then she competed in a few other Olympics as well. And then she's just done so much with her life, not even, uh, not even directly around horses, but just to hear her story would be so neat because I've only read about her story. It would be very cool to hear her talk. And she's got a cool story. That's for sure. That's who I would say. 
Ashley, I can't thank you enough for joining us and for being here and for sharing your story and all of your insights. It's amazing. I mean, I can't even believe that you're, I just can't believe you've been through so much and led such an unconventional path, but all of your hopes and dreams are coming true because you're making them happen. And that's awesome. It's been such a fun journey looking, looking back at all the, all the things that have happened, but I'm just in the end, so thankful for it. So thankful for having me on. I don't usually talk this much about myself and it was, it was fun to kind of tell my story. So thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Before we let you go, that we always give everybody an opportunity to do a plug. So you got to either plug yourself, plug your farm, plug your, pl what do you want to plug? Oh, heavens. I don't know. <laughs> Ashley Duda, big R equitation and Hunter judge call us and we'll have her call you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank everyone for joining us for this episode of What's Your Why, our listeners, guests, and our sponsors too. It's our hope that you enjoyed your time with us and possibly gained some new perspective as well. It's said that we can learn something new every day if we just listen and that knowledge has a beginning but no end. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be safe, be well. And remember, always leave people better than you found them. A Twisted Spur Media Production.